0: to Bibby.
1: Welcome to the Kings Insider podcast on CSNCalifornia.com, sponsored by Max Muscle Sports Nutrition. Introducing your host, Sacramento Kings Insider James Ham.
0: Welcome to the Kings Insider podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham. Joining me, as always, Mr. Aaron Brewski of HoopDashball.com. ab it's been a little while. We've taken a hiatus.
1: Yeah, yeah. How you been, man?
0: Uh, I've been good. You know, uh, we've had some vacations again to deal with. Uh, for those of you who haven't followed the podcast, I am uh, knee-deep in a 1,300-square-foot addition onto my home, and that's uh, eaten some of the brain power. But really, it's the dog days of summer, and uh, it's time to fire things up. We've got basketball just around the corner. Training camp opens on September 26th. Uh, we got media day on the 25th, so things are really starting to fire, and uh, we've got a little bit of basketball news to talk about. So, Aaron, uh, I, I think first and foremost, let's just get the negative out of the way. Uh, the the giant elephant in the room has, I, I think it's left, I, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what happened, um, but Zach Randolph has been freed for all of you who had already printed up your hashtag freezebo shirts. Um, he... He pled to a uh, misdemeanor uh, resisting arrest charge and got 150 hours of community service. And if everything goes well, according to TMZ, um, all of that will fall off his record in a year if he stays clean and out of trouble and, and takes care of his stuff. So what are your thoughts on Zebo going from potentially uh, going to you know getting hit with two felony counts, including uh, a marijuana possession charge with the intent to sell with, you know, allegedly two pounds of marijuana in a backpack, which I, I'm i guessing that is inaccurate. Um, but to where we are now, Aaron, where I, I don't even know if the league suspends him or not.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the statement from uh, his uh, attorney slash agent. He um, came out and, firing, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that, that, you know... And he used keywords like defamation. So uh, anybody describing him as having had it on his person, you know, would be defaming his client. And, you know, lawyers are pretty aggressive, but they tend to not get quite that aggressive if they don't at least have something working in their favor. And when you see that the charges were dropped the way that they were, uh, I'd be real interested to see kind of – or or be a fly on the wall to really know what happened there, because it does seem, based on their portrayal, that there wasn't a whole lot of anything. And so um, now the league is going to use their own investigators. And so they're not going to rely on the statement of the uh, attorney to really figure out what happened there. So I don't know that I would completely rule out a suspension. But if you look at that pattern of the way the statement came out, the way that the uh, legal proceedings took place, I think that the Vegas odds should be on on not a suspension.
0: Yeah, and if I'm reading uh, what is it, Raymond Brothers, his his statement correctly, it it's a shot across the bow of the NBA as well. It's like, look, uh, no 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 no, it's wagging a finger saying you better not suspend him because the suspension comes with a what is it? I mean, a loss of money. Yeah, he makes twelve million dollars a year, so it's one one thirtieth or one one tenth uh of his of his current NBA salary. So I mean it's gonna cost him a whole bunch of money if he does get a, even a one game suspension, you know, upwards of I don't know, uh, upwards of a million bucks. No, not that much. No. A hundred thousand a hundred thousand dollars. Upwards of a hundred thousand dollars, I think it is. So anyway, I, I can I can get a calculator out and do the numbers for you. But um I actually I I assumed even still that the NBA would look at it and just the perception and everything um, would probably still consider doing maybe a one game suspension, uh, two game suspension. But then again, maybe they won't. And, you know, last year, Darren Collison pled down to a misdemeanor uh, domestic violence count. But because it's domestic violence, uh, it's a hot button topic around every professional sports uh, venue at this point. I mean, it, it's just a big deal. And it should be, rightly so. Um, but because it was that he he got his 8 game suspension. So I mean the NBA has left themselves some ability here to to drop a hammer on on Zebo, but I just I don't know if they will or not. And to be honest with you, the drug charge is gone and so that should clear a lot of people as far as around the Kings and and what he he can bring to the the team this year. That should clear a lot of that up because you take away the drug charge and it's more or less um, sort of a strange, you know, resisting arrest, you know, type deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was barely hitting the radar for me and I'm sure a lot of people internally anyway. So to see it get cut, you know, in in intensity, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, down to a quarter of the, you know, severity, if that I I just, this is a big non-issue. Even if he does get suspended, I don't think it's really, going to be that big of a deal inside the locker room on the floor i mean it it might give you a little bit of a weird start to the season where you get some guys playing a few more minutes but he only plays 25 minutes a game you know maybe 23 even this year so even the rotations themselves aren't going to be that impacted so i think it's much ado about nothing and um you know probably be forgotten by november look at that we'll just we'll just skip it we'll act like
0: it never happened that you know that's that's (laughs) what we'll we'll just do our we'll watch our 150 hours of community service and we'll just act like it didn't happen. And I mean, getting 150 hours of community service uh, as an NBA player sounds like daunting because it's, it's just, you know, it's a lot of hours, but uh, they do so many charity events and things like that, that I'm sure a lot of it will be eaten up in his standard charitable, uh, charitable acts that he does anyways, as a professional athlete. So um so Zebo has been freed and uh you know whether or not he's available for game 1 we'll find out here relatively soon. The NBA usually acts pretty quickly on these things. Um uh, but uh we got a lot of other things to talk about. So uh, some of the things you know we we've talked about this in the past the uh the battle at the the shooting guard position. And I, one of the best things about this young Sacramento Kings team is that so many of these players have been in sacramento working out for a month maybe two months depends on who it is some guys haven't haven't left sacramento they've been here the whole time working out uh but a few of the players that are going to be on the 2017-18 roster have been playing in EuroBasket in uh overseas and they've been playing in the giant tournament um, Papi Giannis played in the tournament. Actually, I-, I thought he did okay, depending on the game. One game I know he fouled out in like it like 13 minutes, but overall, you know, it's just more experience for him. But the real star, once again, of the European game is Bogdan Bogdanovic, and he's led Serbia all the way to the finals, which will take place uh, on Sunday. And he is showing so much game, Aaron, I mean, is it just me or is like, should Kings fans be like buying the hype or should they just go, look, <laughs> this is European basketball. We gotta, we gotta take a step back.
1: All right. So last year, Dario uh, charge, he looked really good in, um, what was it? Uh, I guess EuroBasket, and it didn't translate in the first 30 games of the season. It was for Philly, bad, really bad team. And, um, you know, he he had some getting used to the NBA game to do, but I'll say this. So, um, you know, we do all these projections, we project all of the NBA players, um, with the exception of a handful of them. And, you know, over in my line of work over at hoop ball, we are creating fantasy basketball guides and making predictions and things of that nature. And I am trying, and I guess I'm just letting the cat out of the bag here. I am trying to keep under wraps the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing because he is CJ McCollum light. I've said that on the podcast a million times, Um, but he looks like a real player. I think that he, you know, with temple and his elite uh, defense, you know, should have been an all first team defender in the NBA. So obviously that makes him a very good basketball player. And we'll talk about him later. He could compete with Temple, I think, you know, looking at, you know, Temple's age and potential for a little bit of slippage maybe as far as explosion goes. He could end up being the king's second best player, and I don't see how he doesn't play 30 minutes per game for this squad. I think early on you're going to see buddy healed and and some of the log jam issues that present themselves keep his minutes down, but he's a legit NBA player in my mind. And, you know, there might be questions about his defense and then, you know, certain effectiveness issues. But I've seen enough now at this point to where I have no question he can come in and be a legitimate offensive player in this league. Could he be a number one scorer? Probably not. Could he be as dynamic as CJ McCollum? Definitely not. Um, but could he be a poor man's version, as I've been saying, and really be a solid number three player on offense, maybe grow into a number two player on offense. I think absolutely. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's it's just a real interesting thing because he's been so far removed from the Kings here in the States. And he's just been this kind of afterthought. Oh yeah, we got this guy. He's a throw in a deal. Uh, well, he's not really a throw in. He might be your second best player. Yeah. He's, he's developing. I'm not ready to anoint him a uh, second best player or anything
0: like that, but I, I like watching him, and your CJ McCollum, uh, you know, sort of comparison. I, I I see someone different, and for me, I see a whole lot of Manu. That's what I see. I see a really, really nice, complete offensive player. Who, uh, you know, is he a great defensive player? Does he have the potential to be a great defensive player? No, but what he's doing for the Serbian national team is he's the point guard number one, he's running everything. All every single ball runs right through him. I mean, they wait for him after they grab a rebound for him to come back around and take the ball because they don't want anyone else t- taking the ball up. As soon as they pull him off the court, all all kinds of hell breaks loose,
1: and it's if, like, if oh, he could yam like Manu, then I'd give him that. But until then, he, he's CJ. I
0: you know the thing though that kind of separates him. That I think is that he has the ability to score at every level. So I, I love his floater. I know he's aggressive going at the basket. He doesn't have the Euro step, that's for sure. He doesn't, or the Argentinian step, as uh, you know it should be better known as. But uh, what he does have is a, an 18-foot pull-up. Uh, you know he'll he'll try to uh, he'll cross the guy up and step back and, and take a little 18-foot jumper. He shoots the three at a high clip, although he did have one game where he went one for nine. But he scores at every level, you know, in the paint, uh, on the perimeter, in, in the mid-range. And not only that, but he's gutsy and he's all over the court. And, you know, I posted a little a little clip of him in one of the games from earlier in the week where uh, he, he drove to the basket and he makes his crazy pass uh for a wide open three the guy bricks a three he comes flying out of nowhere grabs the rebound runs out to the key uh to the to the elbow and gets fouled and goes back to the line and basically sealed the game with this you know but it, it's it's sort of a frenetic crazy he's got all kinds of all kinds of offensive game that doesn't just create for himself but he creates for others And, you know, I've been saying this forever, Aaron. That's the biggest issue that I see, unfortunately, for Buddy Heald. It's that Buddy doesn't create for others. He creates for himself. And so if you've got three guys at one position, you've got Garrett Temple, you've got Buddy Heald, and you've got Bogdan Bogdanovich, one of them is a great defender. One of them is a great scorer. One of them is an offensive weapon like the Kings, a playmaker, just a playmaker. I I think you're going to have to look at the defender for sure and the playmaker over just a pure score unless you're down by a bunch or you need like a spark. So I, I, it's going to be tough, but I, I really do believe, like from my conversations with guys with around the team, it's going to be a dogfight for a minute and people shouldn't be really that surprised if Buddy Hield is starting or if Buddy Hield is playing 12 minutes. They they shouldn't be surprised with either because, it, first of all, he's a second-year player, and he's up against two guys that are unique in their ability, and both of them do things that he cannot do at this stage in his career. And that, to me, it spells a little bit of trouble for Buddy Hield.
1: Well, I mean, a couple things here. Um, the thing that Bogdan Bogdanovich does well is he controls tempo and there's only a handful of players on every team or even in the nba that can truly control tempo and that's important you know if the team's kind of running around all crazy making mistakes getting down on themselves in an opposing arena you need guys that can control tempo because it just slows everything down brings it back to the center so um the Important part with Bogdanovich is he's one of two guys, three guys, if you count Zach Randolph at power forward, that can truly control tempo. So it's going to be hard for him to come off the floor. Um, Looking at the three slot, I think with Vince Carter, you know, you probably try to get whatever you can out of him over the course of the season 18 minutes per game, 20 minutes per game, something like that. I can't see this team not going with Bogdanovich and Temple for heavy minutes at the two and the three and really making Buddy Heald earn whatever kind of backup minutes he can earn, um, it might be 25. And, and it might be best suited for the second unit where he has a little bit more freedom to, to chuck a little bit. Um, and then the question, of course, will be, well, what's up with Fox? You know, How, how much is Fox pushing Heald um, you know, out of the two slot, maybe a little bit to the three, which gets highly questionable. And I, I think you're going to see those three positions, point guard, shooting guard, and small forward, really um, be filled by the aforementioned players. And it's going to be hard for Justin Jackson to get in there you know, if, if they're going to bleed um, into the small forward position. It might be the case that they wait on Jackson and see if he's ready, give him spot minutes here and there, and then have him ease into Vince Carter's minutes. But with Bogdanovich, to, to be able to control tempo and also he has good length. So between him and yeah. Temple, they're not dead in the water going two and three small there. They're small, yes, but the NBA is also trending small, so they might have themselves a nice little starting combination. Yeah, I know what
0: the things that I've heard about Temple. Um, the Kings love Garrett Temple. Like there's no, there's no no one in there that thinks that Garrett Temple is like was a bad signing at eight million dollars a year. They all believe that he's absolutely behind the scenes. He's incredible and he almost earns his paycheck there. But his ability to uh, really, really impact a game without having to have the ball in his hands is something that they really like, especially when you have a bunch of young players who all believe that they're the next Michael Jordan. Um, It's good to have guys who know who and what they are, who don't demand a bunch of stuff, who if they score seven points a game on a season, all right, I scored seven points a game. That's no big deal. But what Garrett Temple does is... Uh, he he does a lot of deflections. He he gets his hands on balls all over the place, which disrupts the flow of the other team's defense. I mean offense. Plus the fact that he can guard the one, the two, and the three, that's huge. And so if you go it, like what you said, if if Bogdan and and Temple are starting together, I mean it's good because they're both around six six five six six. Uh, they can do a lot of, of switching, although the Kings hardly do any switching at all, and I, and I don't believe that they are going to do a lot of switching going forward. They're going to more concentrate just on uh, on on tough closeouts like they have in the past, on uh, you know collapsing the lane, which is you know a staple of, of Dave Yeager's defense. It always has been that you protect the rim first. You know they believe that the basket is still the most valuable. Uh, you know, the the layup or dunk is still the most valuable shot in basketball. Uh, so you got to protect there first and then work your way out. So really, I mean, when you look at how Jaeger going to have to use these pieces, um, I, I don't know. He's going to have to steal minutes at the three. There's no question. And I think Vince Carter is going to play more like, you know, 14 minutes a game. And I know from what I've been hearing again and again is that chances are like there. there's very little chance for Vince Carter to start. Although the starting lineup could be uh, mostly veterans with a couple of young players sprinkled in here and there, Um, you know, just to start uh, this season that Vince Carter would prefer to be on the bench and talking to young players and helping with the development of young guys at, and then when it's time for him to go in and play, you know, a six, seven minute burst in the second, third quarter, I mean, or first and second quarter, that's when you're going to see him, you know, hit the floor, come back and, and again, work as a, as a mentor and someone who wants to bring these young guys along. So I think there's plenty of minutes at the three, uh, Justin Jackson, I think uh, is a solid player that, that the Kings are pretty high on as well. Um, I don't know where Malachi Richardson is in this whole thing. I do know that he's, he's hundred percent healthy or he's real close to hundred percent healthy after the, the hamstring injuries, but, He's in a dogfight for minutes. Uh, I mean, realistically, you got George Hill that can play the one or the two. You've got De'Aaron Fox that can play the one or the two. Then you got like five other guys that can play the two. You got a couple of guys who can play the three. You still one of the biggest issues this team has. We've talked about it before. Is that when a team goes small and say Kevin Durant is playing the four, who who do the Kings have that can go guard Kevin Durant playing the four? And the answer is absolutely nobody. Um, and, and that's a big deal but i really do believe that dave yeager has a huge challenge in front of him because th- there's a lot of young guys a lot of moving pieces a lot of players that can do multiple things a lot of players that are very specific uh, he's really gonna have to play not just chess match with the other team he's gonna have to play like master chemist the entire season
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of helps doing a ton of this across the entire NBA is breaking down minutes per game projections and rotations and projected rotations and all of that It kind of helps with the Kings. If you take the bigs and just break them up to a, into a four big man quadrant. And especially with Zach, you know, he's going to play 23 minutes per game. That's pretty much just a given. Um, you're, you're talking really about how do you spread the rest of those minutes out? And you're right. They're going to have to go small at some point, Um you know with some one of these these wings at the four that's probably a good time to throw Justin Jackson in there cuz he has a little bit more length if if the other team is really playing a stretchy four mm-hmm. you know he could probably get in there stretchy fours are not necessarily known for their quickness and and, and their physicality so maybe he can be a good counter and a foil for that um but otherwise you know you're really talking about how do you mix Randolph with each of the three players. And then those three guys, um, Costa, it, it, he's, he's kind of already earned his minutes with Jaeger. So yeah, um, that's going to be say 18 right there. You, you, you probably look at the remainder of those minutes, the 41 that are left over in that big man category, give seven to a small lineup. And then you got 24 for each Scal and Willie. Is that enough for them to develop? Well, you know, ask that question after say January or February and see how they do early on in the season with this kind of newish team. But you know, back to the three man slot where everything kind of pivots in this squad because of the deficiency there. You, you probably got to see Richardson do a training camp camp battle with Jackson to see who's going to get the, the the minutes that Vince Carter leaves on the table. Yeah, um, you know, I, if, I if, agree. if if he plays fourteen, you know, that's a good amount for him. Fifteen minutes a game. You know, there's probably a good, say, I don't know. 10 to 12 minutes that that another guy can come in and be sort of the ninth and 10th man. But really, it's you got George Hill, he's got to play 30 minutes. Fox, if you play him 18 or 20 all year long. I mean, that's probably on the low end for a top five pick. Um, You know, but the, the issues are exasperated from there where you go. Bogdanovich has got to play thirty. I mean, I think at this point, <laughs> I don't know that he can play thirty. I don't know that there's there's a I, way to I'm do it. I'm throwing the guarantee down, man. I, I've seen enough. He's good. Like he's 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 worth thirty minutes a game for this particular team. And as far as the front office is really high on him, they are. Uh, I mean, you just look at him and you know. And so, I mean, when you know, you know, and you know, you know. So him, Temple. You know, Temple at 30 minutes would help this team win a lot. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the the particular goal when you've got development on the table as an issue. But, you know, say Temple plays 26, Bogdan plays 30. You know, you're really just looking at, I don't know, quick math, don't fail me now. You know, 22 (laughs) plus uh, uh, 18, 40 minutes left over for Buddy Heald, Malachi, um, or pardon me, Buddy Heald, and I guess Fox. You yeah,
0: I, well, and I'll say this too. You, you've made all of these players like fit in here somehow. Frank Mason is going to play.
1: That, uh, that makes no sense to me.
0: <laughs> Frank Mason is going to play. No, I mean, I, 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 I'd like to see
1: him play, but I mean, how, how's, that, how's that even going to work?
0: I, I've said this before, that uh, the, the vibe that I keep getting around the team is that they all believe that De'Aaron Fox has elite, elite point guard skill and talent. But they do believe that he's probably going to take a year, year and a half to get up to speed to where he's, you know, he's the dude. So they're not going to hand him anything right up front. And when you're looking at a 19-year-old De'Aaron Fox versus a 23-year-old Frank Mason III who's played, who's been through the battles, you know, he's played four years of college. He knows exactly who he is as a player. Uh, the Kings know that they can rely on him to come in and sort of steady a second unit. He he showed in summer league that once you gave him a little once he, he got the lay of the land, he started picking people apart and you're like, Oh, all right, that's the guy who they were looking at. So I, I think that during year one there will be games, not all games, but there will be games where Frank Mason actually plays more minutes than De'Aaron Fox and people are gonna are, be like, are there games where Fox doesn't play? No, I, I don't well, I mean barring injuries but right. you know and, and the other thing normal
1: circumstance.
0: Yeah, the the other thing I'll throw out there is that George Hill played 49 games last year.
1: This is a big one.
0: And, I mean and so yeah, you that's that leaves 33 games where somebody's going to have to play that that spot and if you're walking in with two rookies, you're walking in with two rookies. That it is what it is. So he may not miss 33 games this year he may miss 10, he may miss eight, but I don't think he's ever played over 77 in his career. And so you're still, you're seeing a player that actually misses games throughout his career. He, he had the the toe issue last year. He had a groin issue last year, which is not fun to deal with. Um, so I mean, these are, I'm just putting it out there. Like there's an opportunity there for minutes to go to these two young guys where they are running the show and they're showing you what they've got. And and you're going to see leadership from Frank Mason that and, and experience that he has from the college level that Fox just hasn't learned yet because he played one year in college. And, you know, you're basically looking at a high school player with one year of college who, boom, he's, he's thrust into the NBA spotlight. Everybody wants so much out of him, and he's a media darling. And, you know, Chauncey Billups was in town this week filming something for, for uh, NBA TV or something with uh, – with De'Aaron Fox, and it's he's he's going to be a media do- darling, but at the same time, he's going to have to earn his minutes. That's how Dave Yeager
1: works. Well, this is this is a, one of the fascinating things. Typically, a top five pick with his skill level, you know, out the box, so to speak, wouldn't wait that long, you know, to get these minutes. So I think conventionally, like five years ago, ten years ago,
0: yes, but the way that the one and done has really just disrupted the the quality of experience or or knowledge level of young players coming into the league I mean I don't know I think that's changing I mean a guy like Jalen Brown last year I, he played sparingly
1: yeah and- but you're talking about teams with big time depth and that's what the Kings became not big time but depth they they went out and they got George Hill it, it was a big move it's 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 you know it's definitely erring on the side of having too much depth versus not enough depth um yeah. you know it's typically you know lottery picks go to bad teams and there's places for them to play um he's going to it's going to be for fox very it's, it's going to be hard on him because he's going to know people that are probably not as good as him that jumped right in and got 30 minutes a game and he's going to see other players around the league that are not as good as him getting 30 minutes a game or 25 minutes per game. And he's probably, I mean, I I don't I don't think he can get in, say, 2017, you know, before the turn of the new year. I don't think he can crack the 20-minute-per-game mark. And so that's going to be really tough on him. He's going to have to figure out how to kind of keep from going crazy because basketball players want to play. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, having depth is a good thing. Uh, It's a young team. But at the same time, you have to keep them engaged. And I, I do believe the Sacramento Kings are going to use the Reno Bighorns uh, like they have in the past. They're really going to rely on Derek Martin up there to sort of help bring these guys along. Uh, they have a big coaching staff. You know, they brought everyone back from last year. And then they added uh, Phil Ricci, who's a, a local guy, um, he's a local legend on the basketball court. So. Uh, they added him as a uh, assistant, like player development coach. Uh, Larry Lewis will be doing a lot of work, Jay, uh, you know, Marsh. And uh, there's just a lot of guys there that are going to be working with these young players, trying to bring them along. And, you know, Bob Thornton has the bigs. I mean, they really do a good job of breaking this thing up into smaller groups and, and trying to work them through. And then you have coaches on the floor. You're going to have Zeebo on the floor at, at any given time, either George Hill vince carter zach randolph uh garrett temple you know costa kufus one of those guys two of those guys three of those guys will be on the court at almost all times because that's how you're going to teach this young team you can't just throw them out there and hope that you know you give them like one play set with two options and and that's all you get to run all year uh eventually you've got to start you know giving them more feeding them more and hoping that they grow and learn and figure it out Uh, but you know a shortened training camp isn't going to help anybody uh which is something that we haven't really talked about the nba pushed the schedule up 10 games i mean 10 days so there are no more uh back-to-backs on it it, it, well no there are more back-to-backs there are no more four games and five nights um but what they they didn't adjust when the season when the preseason starts they didn't adjust when training camp starts so really they just stole 10 days from training camp (laughs) and for a team like the Kings.
1: Who have, has anybody adjusted? I mean, it's I so dead out there right now and the the NBA season's 4 weeks away. Like yeah,
0: I, uh, training camp is is 10 days away. I mean, it's right around the corner. I mean, it's nuts. And then boom, you're going to see like a couple of days of training camp and then all of a sudden this team is already it's already go time. It's already preseason. And then the preseason schedule is super short. You know, boom, six games. You're gonna be like, Holy cow. I think they even have like three games in four nights or something in the preseason. And then once that's over, the season's starting. It's there is no break here. I know last year what do they have? They had like uh their last preseason game ended and then they didn't have a game for like nine days or something until the opening night. Well that's that's not gonna be the case this year. This is this thing's gonna move along very quickly and you know, Houston will be in Sacramento for opening night, uh, and it'll it'll happen so quickly. You'll be like, "What in the world just happened?" And did you see their new alternative court? So now they have a third alternate court.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Uh, good court. I like the court. Is that where
0: the soccer team is going to play?
1: I'm. Uh, you know. uh, I don't know. I've <laughs> seen that symbol somewhere else. Uh, somebody sent me a picture. Something. Yeah, I don't know.
0: It, it does uh, resemble the uh, Premier League stuff. So. But that's okay. I mean, I think the court looks cool. It, it's a, just another branding thing that the Kings have done. They've done a good job of uh, bringing in the branding here when they, they've switched over to this this new arena. So, Aaron, as far as basketball, um, I, think, I think we've covered everything that we can cover, uh, but we have some other stuff to cover. And, uh, you know, me and Aaron have been together doing this podcast for a long time. And I absolutely love the chemistry that we have and and everything to the way that it we've played this thing out. Uh, For those of you who've listened to the podcast, um, you know, since it's been NBC Sports, uh, but everyone knows it, you know, it came over from somewhere else and that, you know, we're 300 plus episodes in and it's been, I don't know, six, seven years uh, of podcasting. And, you know, John Santiago was my partner for many, many years in the beginning Um, and John left, went on to bigger and better things and, uh, we've got another transition coming and, uh, this will be the last official, uh, co-host there, there will be other opportunities. We're not saying goodbye forever. Um, but this is the, we're making some changes going forward and, you know, Aaron is, his world is blowing up. And so, uh, this will be the last official, Kings Insider Podcast with James Ham and Aaron Bruski. I will be back, uh, and I will have a, a new- <laughs> That sounds like you're ending the show. Uh, I'll have a new co-host uh, that we'll, we'll talk about later, uh, but Aaron, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the years of dedication. It's not easy. Um, I'm a- frantic running all over the place type of guy that calls and says, Hey, can we podcast? I've got like 25 minutes. Can you roll it? Um, we've had to fit things in around all kinds of life events. Um, but again, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of the hard work over the last couple of years. And we'll have you on again. Uh, you're, you're not going anywhere. You're not going far. You're, you're still going to be someone that we can call on as a pinch hitter here and there. But, uh, I just, again, I want to say thank you.
1: Well thank you. It's it's hard not getting a little emotional after all of this time <laughs> doing this podcast, which has spanned I mean, just a kind of an intense life cycle of stuff for Kings fans. So, you know, you 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 know, I moved to Sacramento and um kind of got dropped into this scene of uh relocation. And you know, three years of that, and then you know, a couple years of uh, interesting chaos at um, you know, in the first few years under the new regime, and and so we've kind of just chronicled it all and been flies on the wall, and and we've gotten vocal when we needed to get vocal, and it's been this really wild experience, and and so yeah, as as you said, um, you know, over at Hoop Ball, I've got a team of fifty guys now, and bunch of web developers and I do meetings all day, every day. And when I don't do meetings, I'm basically just, you know, sticking my nose in the book, so to speak, trying to get, you know, I guess to be a knowledgeable fantasy basketball expert and, you know, basketball expert in general. So, um, that is, uh, you know, it's a lot. So pulling back a little bit is probably a good thing. And so, uh, I will say this though, uh, one of my goals for this year, I didn't know if I was going to achieve it was to actually, kind of increase my King's coverage and go down to the arena more often. Um, We'll see if if that actually happens because as as we grow, it just seems like there's just not enough hours in the day. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's been a thrill. Um, You know, I I can't wait to get back on the cast with you, you know, whenever that might be and, um, you know, do this again. But uh, to all the listeners, thank you very much for putting up with me. And, uh, you know, I will... Definitely be around, and we'll see you guys around. Uh, actually, we'll, we have a Kings cast starting ourselves over here at Hoop Ball, so I'll check in with you guys a couple times over there periodically as well, and, and I'll try to drop a few more articles. And if I can break free from some of this stuff that's going on, then I'll definitely try to pump up the Kings coverage as well, and and, and follow our young guys. We got a we got a trio of young guys, uh, Jake Fitzgibbon, Nick Avila, and uh, John Schifferly that are. You know, getting their beaks wet as far as uh Kings coverage on their own. And the the, the handle over there is Hootball Kings. So I'll I'll have my hands in the mix, but I, I can't lie, it's it, you know, I, I need a little bit more sleep. I'm getting old, James.
0: <laughs>
1: We're all getting
0: old, Aaron. It happens. So again, uh we'll be back next week. Uh podcast is going back to the regular scheduled format of every Friday. Uh we will have guests. We will have a, uh, at least most of the time, co-host, which we will announce next week. Um, But, you know, exciting stuff happening. This should be a fun season of Sacramento Kings basketball. Uh, It's it's one of those seasons where wins and losses don't mean nearly as much as the development of young players and sort of the culture of the team developing and becoming better and, and growth. So hopefully we'll be here to track all of that with you. So uh, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kings Insider Podcast on NBCSportsCalifornia.com. I am James Ham. Thank you again, Mr. Aaron Bruski. We'll see you very soon.